Welcome to another episode of On the Issues with Alain Benmir. Today's guest is Igbale Rogova, an internationally renowned women's rights advocate and co-founder and executive director of the Kosovo Women's Network. She was also behind the founding of the Women's Peace Coalition and the Regional Women's Lobby for Peace, Security, and Justice in Southeast Europe, bringing women's priorities and political preferences into the regional peacemaking process. Igo was also a member of the high-level advisory group on the United Nations Security Council Resolution 1325 on Women, Peace, and Security, and served on the NATO Civil Society Advisory Panel on Women, Peace, and Security. In today's episode, Alana and Igo discuss her work as a women's rights advocate, the United Nations and NATO's interference in this work in the post-war period, the progress or lack thereof that has been made in Kosovo and across the Balkans in regards to women's rights, and what the future looks like in this regard. So tell me first, how are you? Very good, thank you. Quite busy time here, stressful because of this issue with barricade, but I hope it's done. <laughs> so are you, are you currently, where are you right now, in Kosovo? Yes, I'm in Pristina. I am in Pristina, oh, I see, yeah. Well, first of all, I want to really thank you so much for taking the time. Sure. Thank you for understanding. I had to postpone twice. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no problem. Uh, let me just tell you something. You know, we have um, uh, many things in common in terms of our concern about human rights issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have uh, my entire, I, I mean, I dedicated my entire approach to Facebook specifically to human rights issues. And I need just to say women are on top of this uh, list of where so many different countries are you know, committing horrifying human rights violations. Uh, so, so when I read some of the material you have about you, about what you've been doing, to say the least, it was far more than impressive. And I think the work you're doing is really magnificent. Thank you. Um, and, and really uh, something that I hope more and more people follow your footsteps. They are so, really, there are many, many following. I am very glad to say that, actually. <laughs> that, that's a great. Um, you know, I, I don't, I would like to uh, have you speak a lot more than I do. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, because we, we want to hear your views. So, so I'm going to just ask you a couple of questions. Of course, we will have a conversation as we proceed. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, in, in 1989, you know, you co-founded the first women organization in Kosovo. Yes. And in 2000, you also co-founded Kosovo's Women Network. Yes. And you were among the first to implement the United Nations Security Council Resolution 130. Yes. 13, actually, like 1325. 13, on women, peace, and, and, and security. So it's been, to say the least, it's at least two decades, two decades and probably, I know you were involved before that. If you were to assess it today, 20 years later, 21 years later, what sort of progress can you have you been able to discern? And to what extent that kind of progress, from your perspective, is sustainable? Okay, you mean in for Kosovo, or you mean... Well, let's, start, let's start with Kosovo, and then we can take it further. Okay. Uh, well, I need first to explain that in 90s, uh, it was interesting time because in 90s, we didn't kind of look who is a man, who is a woman. We were all working together and nobody was 
saying you cannot do this because you're a woman. You know, so I I was growing up as an activist with that with that ambience. Uh, we we had always always we uh, worked with men as well. And I continued uh, because I don't believe that I, you can change the women's life only working with women. So, right. so yeah. So, and that I continued after the war the same way. I, I, I was like, no chance. You cannot change women's life if you work only with women. And it's interesting because there were different feminists coming from the region because I'm gay and and we we have this network also with lesbians in the region, but also with peace activists. And they were coming and saying to me, how can you work with men? I'm like, excuse me. <laughs> I'm a feminist. I'm a lesbian. But you know what? I cannot change the, the, the life of women only if I work with women. So that was in the time when uh, it was very, very underground work. But we we didn't fear, honestly. We, I mean, it was so dangerous what we did. For example, Milosevic regime, they closed schools, they, they burned Albanian books, and we were opening libraries, and we were opening schools in the remote regions, like outside of Pristina. It's a region called Has, near Prizren. So after the war... Uh, I need to explain. Before you go, before you go to that, when you say you know it was very dangerous, uh, what you've done, the kind of work you did with with men were participating in that. I just want to know a point of to verify that. Do you think that the circumstances at the time made it possible that men and women work together? Yes. A specific yeah. period of time. Yes. That was compelling enough to get. Nobody was paying any more attention who is a man who is a woman yes. because the work itself was more important than anything else. Yes, it's true. But we uh, that was the period when women, after o- opening the University of Pristina in the 70s, uh, women were doing master's, doctorate, and women were, you know, working and, you know. So women were quite active uh, in, uh, in, I mean, the... It was even family was different and everything. And after the war, there were women standing up in front. Uh, for example, I will give you one example. Uh, Lulieta Pula, amazing woman. She's not active now, but she was so active. Uh, Lulieta Pula stood up to blame Serbia for the poisoning of kids. And she was so brave that she went all the way to Belgrade to give an interview. I mean, it was amazing that she didn't fear. She went there. Then we have uh, other women like uh, Viosa Dobruna, Fordita Saracini, Edita Tahiri, Sevdia Meti, uh, my sister, Safeta Rogova. So all these women were, were active and men saw that, I mean, men in Kosovo saw that women are not uh, sitting home. They are active in, 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 first, as you know, it was peace resistance. Yeah. And it was a, a lot of organizing different things. So men saw that. And of course, the situation united both sexes, men and women, to, right. to stand up against Milosevic. And... Uh, 
so that was yeah that was it affected i mean of course it affected the the situation political situation so 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 what happened now after the war after the war united nation came to kosovo and you know what they did the first thing i wish you can you have time to read facts and fables uh it's very good book explaining the situation after the war United Nations mission came to Kosovo and then you know what they pushed women away from political life from civil society and we were like whoa wait a minute we worked here for 10 years under regime under occupation what are you talking about i mean they were saying now we brought experts and they can do all the work you know <laughs> so when you say they united nation who is they UNMIC, UNMIC, United Nations Mission in Kosovo. Oh, I see. I mean, and they wanted basically to stop yeah, or to they, reduce. They pushed stuff. women away, you know, because they came yeah. with prejudice. They came with prejudice in Kosovo. Kosovo is a Muslim country. Women are not active. They came with not even one slight knowledge about what, I mean, who are people in Kosovo? So they are basically foreigners, not Kosovars. No, no, they are all foreigners, yeah. They are foreigners. Yes, yes, foreigners. So for me, that was a big shock because how can United Nations bring a patriarchal system in Kosovo to push women away? So we had to, uh, we had to organize. And trust me, you will find so many funny very funny stories in Facts and Fables, the book. I mean, I can share one fast. Yanan came to Kosovo and uh, in October 99. And uh, of course, he was then Secretary General. And uh, he was he was meeting uh, also civil society. Well, guess what? They didn't invite women to that meeting, United Nations. Oh, yes, yes. I mean, amazing. We, we had to push ourselves in that meeting somehow. But you know how? We had to contact the United Nations uh, office uh, through our friends in New York and say, we want to be part of this meeting. So every time it was us pushing United Nations, listen, you have to meet us, you have to uh, consult with us, you have to... And that gave us uh, a second thing about women in politics. They they made this, uh, how do you call them, um, transitional something group that was not transitional. It was, it was a group of men who were the leaders of LDK, KLA. Mm, in yes. one word, word, they were supposed to be our future government people, okay? Right, and right. There was no women in that group. Yeah. Can you imagine? We had to say, we had to push again there. We had to say, oh, wait a minute. We have very strong women in politics who can be part of this. And it, it also there, only Kofi Annan helped us to change that, to break that. So watching this situation, me and some other activists from 90s, we said we have to start uh, like an informal network where we can try to coordinate so they can meet us, we can meet them, they can listen to us. They, 
we initiated this meeting. So this is this is how the the network started by by uh, us trying to uh, coordinate with them. Because another thing, can I call you Alan or Doctor Alan? Of course, Alan. Alan is perfectly okay. Alan. It was another thing in that time. There were so many donors who were just throwing money, Alan. They were just throwing money. Millions of of dollars and euros, they were coming in Kosovo and they didn't coordinate with anyone. They just, it was like, I, I felt so bad for all the taxpayers, people of those countries who brought this amount of money because it was no coordination, nothing, just throwing money. What was the money's purpose for? Or what was the reason? The money was for reconstruction and to rebuild. They said they said to build civil society. We said why to build? You can say rebuild because we exist. And right, right. United Nations also uh, were were writing in their reports because they were they were starting new NGOs. Huh? Many. Hundreds and hundreds of women's organizations started after the war. And I'm like, oh, wait, we have to organize. (laughs) And of course, of course, uh, out of hundreds of organizations, I should say 50%, they were money driven. And and, uh, so then United Nations, UNMIC uh, was writing reports saying, we started civil society in Kosovo. Oh, my God. So let me ask you then, so after the war, the United Nations mission got involved, they pushed women aside. Now, how the Kosovo men, now, uh, obviously, uh, that suited their interests, suited their need or their cultural orientation. So they have capitalized on what the United Nations Commission in Kosovo has done. So my sense is that since that year, since that 2000, Women right in, in Kosovo have been reduced. I mean, there's yeah. regression. There was yeah. regression. And and so what happened? Do you think this is what was going back to the cultural orientation or to the religious orientation or no. to the circumstances or all of it together? No, not religious, cultural, I would say. Uh, not religious. I mean, uh, because re- religion never stopped us from women being part of education, part of, you know, Uh, but culturally, yes, culturally. So especially KLA leaders who they were so happy that women were pushed away. So now they can be only them being uh, leaders. And uh, so, yeah, we had to really start from zero, really. For example, we had to push for quota. Uh, Viosa de Bruna was then in this council I talked to you about. Viosa de Bruna is an activist. You heard of her, I'm sure. <laughs> and she she was uh, pushing with Bernard Kushner, who was the first SRSG uh, special representative of United Nations in Kosovo. He She was pushing with him that we need to put quota in order to have women in politics, in a parliament, I mean. But yeah. uh, so we started from zero. Quota, go back to bring women with numbers. But from that time, 
if you look the time then and now, situation is very much different. Yes. A lot. Yeah. And I have to say, Alan, really, I'm not, I mean, I have to say it's really because of the work of women's rights organizations, women feminists in academia, young people. I mean, when I say young people and others, I don't mean just women, men and boys as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who, uh, who, who were not allowing uh, that women would push away, women would be beaten. And recently, lately, we had women who were beaten to death. And you should see the anger, especially young people who are not part of women's rights organizations, who are active in, in uh, raising their voice in the street and everywhere just to, to protest and to ask for justice for, right. for women. So, yeah, the situation is different now. But And I need to say thanks to different, uh, in this case, international supporters who trusted us and supported us. Uh, we have, uh, for example, Swedish uh, organizations and then later the government who were involved in supporting uh, especially women's rights organizations. Then we had Austrian Development Agency as Austrian government development program. Then we... Uh, Lately, we have also EU, but for that to happen, we had to unite with the with the world, actually, in the region and the world. Yeah, yeah. Say, look, help us. We need to change donor approach. We need to uh, make donors understand that you have to support women's rights organization in order to see changes. And I'm so happy to say that in the last five, five years, I've seen so much changes, you have no idea. For the better, you mean? For the better. So, so, so let, let's just, that I can understand the, the situation today in Kosovo, uh -huh. in, terms, uh, in terms of improvement. So between 2006 or seven to this day, do you see significant improvement in the treatment of women? Are more and more women occupying position, official position in government? Yes. In, Yes, it's better than it was. Uh, 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 the reason I mentioned quota, before women were looked as numbers. Now, yes. Yes. now women are not looked as numbers. Women are, are looked as names. And uh, especially in the last election, national election, uh, I remember myself, because we also did a campaign to support voters to vote women right. and I, I remember i was going to different cities uh, and talking to people in the street and giving them some pamphlets uh, to remind them to vote for women and i would say to uh, many men i would say look you you can vote five people vote three women two men and many men told me no, why? I want to vote five women. They are strong. They are. Mm -hmm. And I was like, whoa. So it's a huge change that happened with voters. Right. Yeah, voters have the, the key in their hands to change people, to change governments. 
And right. voters last election, national election, it was 60% uh, women who were voters. And and when when Vendosia won, won they, when they won, I was so happy that Kurti came on TV and said, we won, won because of votes of women. 60% of women voted. Uh, so the change in people is voters. Second, the change is a lot of strong women taking positions, taking uh, even high positions like uh, Gilles Hosmani, for example. She she's, she's the president. Uh, so let me ask you this. Um, I'm very familiar with the Kurdish government, and and um, but do you feel that? This particular government has is doing more than previous government in terms of uh, of women's rights and advancement of women. To be that honest, is the government. To be honest, yes. Uh, I know from day one, Minister of Justice uh, Alvulena Hajiu, she was very much eager to meet immediately, and said, "Let's let's work now for the new strategy against domestic violence because I know it's." And uh, Kurti, uh, he's criticized that he's using women, but on the contrary, I don't think so. He's uh, he trusts women. Uh, using women is Edi Rama. Edi Rama, he appointed twelve women in government, but not because uh, because, but he knows that women are can do the work, and he appointed women ministers, but. Right. So Rama uses women, I know that, because it's yeah. his third mandate and he has to show success. But Kurti, no, Kurti, um, he has another, and, and uh, he was, uh, even before when he was, first of all, in civil society, because I know him from 90s, I mean, uh, I he never was, um, how do you say, speaking law for women. Oh, yeah, I mean, he's always... Treated women from you know as, yes. as equal from his perspective. Yes. I wanted to ask you in this regard. So there is this change, which is very very important. So do you feel now because the change can be sustained if the following generation, for the you know the young people, uh, have better understanding what's about equality, uh, standing for the you know for their rights, uh, question. A strict gen, uh, you know, gender role. So do you see today, <clears throat> as a result of the change that's taken place, however gradual, that there is now a new generation who is much more aware, much more concerned about gender discrimination? And because what it takes from my perspective is the new young youth generation who, who are going to be the leaders in 10, 15, 20 years. And if they come to the position of leadership, they have that kind of orientation of equality be that when women, men, gender, religion, <clears throat> ethnicity, do you feel that today is a growing in Kosovo? Uh, look, Alan, I need to tell you something personally. I am an activist for 30 years. And for the first time, I, I say, wow, now I can withdraw, just now, I can withdraw from everything because I know things will continue powerfully not only women's rights organization, but as I said earlier, young people. Young people are 
not going to go back. Young people are the, the, the hope of Kosovo. Young people are, uh, they cannot allow injustices. Young people are, are very active. What do they need? They need support in aspect of education and employment. This right, is right. In what Kurti is doing. He's trying to do that. He is, he opened up now university for free. You know what it means? It means a lot. People who don't have uh, financial means, they can study. And people, young people are really eager to study. Uh, what is lacking is what do they do after they study? That's right. That is, you know, it's lacking is job opportunities. Yeah. And, and, and the main. Let me ask you this. In 2006, you founded the Regional Women Lobby for Peace, Security, and Justice in Southeast Europe, which is basically offered the only voice that bring in women priorities and political preferences into peacemaking process. Yes. But since that time, 2006, now that you sort of begin to also watching what's happening outside Kosovo, what do you see happening? And what kind of improvement you are, you are you know you've been able to to discern? Uh, we have, that is outside Kosovo. Yeah, just to explain for us, we have network of women's rights activists since nineties with the region since nineties, but mm. the the regional women's lobby supported by you, you, it was then Unifem, now it's called UN Women. Uh, they. Regional Women's Lobby was opening doors to also women politicians. Uh, Regional Women's Lobby now is is led by uh, Edita Tahiri, a politician from 90s. She's and uh, so yeah, that that uh, opened the door to to uh, to bring their perspective in in different situation, political situation. For example. If something happened in Croatia, the regional women's lobby would unite the voices to Croatian government and da 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 say something, or to Serbia, or to Kosovo, or to Macedonia. So that is the mechanism for women from different countries in the region to unite their voices for some issue. Now, uh, in also in two thousand six. We started also Coalition for Peace, Women's Coalition for Peace, and that is a network of women's rights, organ- uh, women's Kosovo Women's Network, and Women in Black Network in Serbia. And I see. Yeah. This one was breaking walls. This coalition was whoa. For example, in two thousand six, we organized a protest in Belgrade, Pristina, same day, same hour, to ask government to have women in in negotiation teams and then in 2006 we met in uh, struga and it was a live show not live but it was a, a news on the main news shown how women in black was for the first time and and that happened and no not again i i, I didn't see any more of that public event, public apology like what they did, public apology of what happened in Kosovo in yeah. their name. So that was shown in our media how women from Serbia they they apologize for what happened. 
then with right. women women peace coalition we managed to do women's court uh, it was uh, not official court but a court like um, uh, like women's tribunal meaning we brought women from the whole region to testify of things atrocities things that happened to them not just from kosovo of course from the whole region bosnia serbia kosovo uh, montenegro they all met in sarajevo and uh, it was uh, not official court but but it 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 brought a big explosion how women can unite and to right. so yeah region region was always active still is today So let me then ask you, you know, and among the Balkan states, which of the states you feel that they have made more progress than other in terms of the human, in terms of women's rights or women's climbing the ladder, uh, the social ladder, the political ladder of the six uh, Balkan states, Western Balkan states? Well, uh, do you feel Kosovo is in the lead? What country is in the lead in this regard? Kosovo is stepping up a bit as organizing for women's rights uh, it was really always example in the region how men and women boys and girls unite to raise the voices for political uh, positions we are stepping one or two steps higher albania is amazing now with the position albania is a very good situation as i said out of 17 ministries they have 12 ministers Uh, Croatia used to be good, but Croatia is kind of stepping down. It's, mm. it's coming this this uh, uh, nationalist religion, religious. Uh, I don't know how to call it, like opposition to women's rights. Right, right. Serbia is not doing well. I know this from our our friends there. Macedonia, it's taking slow steps higher. Montenegro, how can I say, better than it was. Bosnia-Herzegovina uh-huh. is still very much like their political situation. It's still status quo. I mean, but Albania is really now, for political positions, they are number one in the region, to be honest. I see, even even in front of Kosovo. Oh, let, yes. let, me ask you, let me ask you this, you know, right now you are a member of the Civil uh, Society Advisory Panel on Women, uh, Peace and Security at NATO, which is, in my, I mean, this is a very important position that you are occupying there. How is it working? Um, can you point out to some important success stories? from that experience that you have, from the experience that you're currently enjoying, having? Well, me and many of my friends from the region, we also, we always stood up to criticize UN and NATO, in this case, K4 in Kosovo, how they took the gender issues not seriously, even though it was existing 1325 resolution. So I was going to New York, Brussels, etc. Uh, then, thanks to our advocacy, NATO decided to start a spe- office, office for special representative for 1325 or Women, Peace, Security. And uh, 
And then I was very much surprised when they asked me to be on board on this advisory group. And, and it was all volunteer work. And it, it was, they said, can you help us? Because we need people like you to help us do the plan, action plan for 1325. I was glad they invited me. So I went and not just me, 15 activists from the world different countries like Afghanistan as well. Afghan Afghan Women's Network was part of it, Georgia and America, Canada, of course, but also some countries, post-conflict countries as well. So then this is when they decided to form an advisory group for NATO. I served there for three years and it was time to for the group to change, to bring others. So I... I right. But now and then, they still uh, contact me, and I'm very much in contact with K4 here. Uh, they 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 call me sometimes for special event. To like, I was there recently. I was there in uh, K4 to speak about the situation of women and what. So right. the change, how it was before. Uh, I mentioned to you. Anmik, uh, because Anmik also was in charge of everything because they administered in Kosovo and and K4 as well. Today, there is a huge difference also within United Nations and within NATO, meaning now they are not anymore treating women like, like 20 years ago. Uh, they, 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 they make sure that there is some uh, special approach for for women. I see. Now, uh, l- let me ask you, you know, having this vast, vast experience that you have and the several organizations that you put together, and obviously you, you've seen significant progress in different countries, especially in Kosovo, other Balkan states. What, what is your vision now? Where do you feel it's still something missing? What is missing if there's anything missing? And what is going to take in order to rectify, in order to make the case of a woman more, more, I'm putting uh, on the global stage? Uh, and, and what role do you think you can play, people like yourself play, the various organizations or the various government? Where do you see the room now to further, further improve the conditions of women? Uh, what is your vision? Where do we go from here? I, I see young generation being much more involved and being much, I, if, if it's the approach that it is now, I mean, the, the, the government giving them open doors, this is what needs to happen. Young people need to have open doors for specialists to be where they need to be, not people who do PhD, they they found a job to be a waiter in the cafeteria because they don't have a job. So uh, that I see happening, hopefully, hopefully. Um, so obviously, I mean, social and economic progress yeah. have direct and indirect impact on future role of women, generally future role 
of young people, but the women constitute a significant part of that, like 60% or 70%. So, so obviously then improving the socioeconomic condition, be that in Kosovo and elsewhere, is going obviously to have, has direct impact on women's role. Uh, it, that's how you see it, obviously. This is at least in part. Do you agree with the premise? Yes, I do. Yes, completely. You, 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 you did it so well. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, I was, I was also fascinated by your, um, your, your um, uh, take on, on, um, on uh, healing. You said, you know, through music and dance. Oh, yeah. Tell me how this came about, and what sort <laughs> of experience did you have? Oh, I'm, I'm very, really very fascinated with that approach. It's so interesting because I started a month ago, I started psychotherapy because I was I needed psychotherapy. So yesterday I had a session with my psychotherapist about this. <laughs> uh, I mean, music is... Uh, <clears throat> for me, growing up in a family that... Every Saturday, it was party. Every Saturday. Mm. Uh, my father was never, never treating us girls as secondary. We were important right. as boys. And right. he was not educated man. He was a, 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 what do you call it in English? Quilt man. Quilt man. They were making uh, quilt business. Anyway, right. so he... When whenever we had troubles in the house, he said, "Okay, let's everyone let's sing and dance." I'm not joking. Right, that right. was healing. So I grew up with that. I grew up with music being um, uh, a, a sort of a healer. That is, yeah, it, you know, you're enjoying it. It distracts you from the problems or the issues that you have, yeah. and it alleviates that kind of pressure, that kind of uh, you know feeling of. Um, being um, can be a, being constantly under you know being watched, being supervised by the music and dance, it sort of give you that sense of liberty. Is that how you how you yes. see it? Yes, completely. Uh, and every time it was difficult in nineties, I would uh, once a month organize a party in my apartment and invite all the women's rights activists for party. It was. Did you, invite, did you invite men as well to the? No, uh, no, not no, not in the party. No, because we needed to be free, and you know, <laughs> and you know, some women like me love belly dance, and we were like, no, we need to be free. <laughs> I see. So, so you invited them, and they have again music and dance. Yeah, and, and that was was some. That is, in, from your perspective, then this was a means by which you know yeah. to promote, nevertheless, yeah. women. Women's rights, women causes. But uh, but okay. in in the refugee camp where I worked with my organization, uh, pre, before Women's Network Montra Chiriazi, that I was leading with my sister, we used music and dancing as a healing. And right. there, I didn't. Uh, uh, of course, there it was also men and boys part of this. Yeah. Because it, so it, tell me, Igor, what, what is now your plans for the future? Where do you see yourself going, uh, doing? Uh, do you have a vision of where you want to be? I don't what do, can you, you can do? 
to be honest, I'm in that position that I started thinking. I still don't know. That's why I also started psychotherapy sessions to talk about. Because what I see is I see amazing team in Women's Network that, I mean, I'm of course, I started delegating, but now I formed a management team. So <clears throat> for every program, we have a manager. These are young, young people who are amazing. So I, I'm trying to find out wh what is my future, to be honest. Uh, so I started psychotherapy to deal with my past issues and pain. And, and you know, because I, of course, I never had time to think of me, Alan, all these decades. I, see, yes. I was thinking of others, others need others. I was doing things for others. So now I'm thinking myself these days, these months. And, and with the help of psychotherapy sessions, I can see where is my future, where I was invited many times by political parties to be part of political parties. But I was saying, no, it's not time. It's not time. But I don't know, I might be, if you ask me at the moment, I might, but I don't know. I really don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm just exploring. I'm opening up to my psychotherapist and exploring everything. What is my, I, so, because I only thought of what is the future of women's network? That, right, that was right. always my point. And now I have to think me personally. So at this point in your life, are you, do you have, are you holding any official position in any of the organization that you have created or at NATO and other places, or you are now sort of want to take a break, focus on yourself, regroup? Yes, yes. I still have to be executive director of network, but I am spending a lot of time in the field. Like today I was in Drenas, where uh, there is a center for who take care of survivors of rape. And I'm talking also with my with our members. How where do they see me? I want to know their opinion too. So I'm I'm kind of like uh, exploring, Alan. Right. So so I as a, you know, final final point I'd like to make uh, and get your answer. Uh, suppose you are now meeting a group of women, you don't know them. Yeah, uh, they could be mixed from various countries, from various places, and you need to give them a message in, con in connection with women's rights. What are the couple, two, three points that you want to make to this kind diverse group of women? Support each other and be in solidarity, because Alan, I've seen that women can be also enemies of women. And I, every time lately, the, especially the last five years, I, I'm speaking of solidarity importance between women. Because uh, we, without solidarity, we cannot achieve. Second, uh, support each other. Without support of each other, we cannot, uh, uh, we cannot get what we, where we want to get. And, and third, I don't know, third... Well, you know, and <laughs> being, I mean, perhaps becoming more activist in various in the in in um, so, uh, so you know social uh, programs, political programs. Would you want to encourage them? Obviously, to oh yeah, that, that is all my life. I did that. I mean, that's a, that's a given. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a great. And I I really very very much admire your work. Thank you. And man. I hope and I hope once you you feel back that you now you know what you want. 
We're yes. going to go out and continue to push for women's rights. Yes. Uh, I think to this day, even in democratic countries like the EU, the United States, uh, we still significant discrimination against women. Mm. So we are far from being able to say men and women are treated equal, equally everywhere. Mm. Uh, so, mm. so we are still, even in this country, we still, we are, women still struggle. Yeah. Yes, there are many women in high posts and high position, but but the discrimination against women has really never really abated, never never stopped. Yeah. We see this also in other European countries. So with the work, the work to to, to improve women's lot and women's future, it's going to have to continue for some time to come. Yeah. And people like yourself, as the the, the major force behind that change. I think it's very, very important. And I just wish there'd be many, many more women like yourself. Thank you. And they are many, not just women and men too. Really, I'm proud to say that. <laughs> That's a great. Again, Ina, I, go, I really want to thank you for taking the time. Thank you, Alan. Uh, thank you for this opportunity. I, I read some of your articles and I'm very honored to talk to you. Oh, the pleasure is mine. Thank you again. Thank you for listening to this episode on the issues. You can find this podcast on my SoundCloud page and stay tuned to my social media accounts for the latest analysis and announcements.